Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. My name is Kieran and I'm here with my very special co-host. What's up, what's up, what's up? Who's turned into a <laughs> 90s gangster rapper. Yeah. <laughs> Love guys, Adam, Adam Child's here. Um, I don't know why I did that. What's your credentials, Adam? What's Sorry, my I keep credentials? Um, I have a black belt from eBay. Um, no. <laughs> uh, Fabio Gogel, black belt. Uh head coach and owner with my wife of Alliance Sydney Jiu-Jitsu. And I am Kieran. I am a white belt and that is it. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's selling himself short. White belt, uh, PT, nutritionist, YouTube superstar. (laughs) Yeah, ex-bodybuilder, videographer. All-round legend. Yeah, yeah. So today, what are we talking? Oh, first of all, last episode, if you missed that episode, it was actually... Probably my, one of my favorite that we've done thus far. I mean, they've all been great, but that one was particularly special because we did our first listener Q&A in yep. the Ask a Black Belt segment. Yeah, which will be a bit of a recurring episode. Yeah, absolutely. So again, just in case you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. It's fantastic. But if you want to submit questions to the show, you can jump over to our Instagram. Uh, just search Beyond Jiu-Jitsu Podcast and you'll be able to find that. Or alternatively, you can message me directly on my Instagram. It's just my full name, Kieran Lefebvre, or Adam's Instagram. Alliance Sydney BJJ. Alliance Sydney BJJ. I'll remember one of these days. I can't remember the order of it. You can't remember, bro. I'm terrible. It's one word. Okay, so in this episode, however, we are talking about why people quit jiu-jitsu. Hot topic. People quit jiu-jitsu all the time. But Why? Let's let's take a deep dive. So first of all, from my perspective, I've been training jujitsu for nearly 12 months and I have seen multiple people come and go just out of out of your gym, Adam. And I mean- It's because I don't treat them well. I was about to say, and <laughs> just for a caveat for everyone listening who doesn't know, Adam's Adam's uh, retention is is fantastic. Like he's he's not that much of an asshole off air. Um, so no, it's that's not that's not a. I'm not suggesting anything toward you know your gym individually. No, but of course, yeah, you it's see the nature of the sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from my perspective as a white belt, I mean, I've had. You know, I know people that have quit um, or have taken prolonged absences over injuries. So that's yep. something that, you know, that comes to mind. But apart from that and apart from maybe logistic reasons like notwithstanding moving away or or financially, particularly with the COVID stuff, why do you think the, the one of the fundamental reasons people quit? Yeah, like, um, yeah, like you said, obviously ignoring some of the obvious reasons like – you know, sometimes life changes, you know, maybe someone trained while they were in uni, but now they're a doctor and they don't have time to train or they had kids or whatever, right? So obviously sometimes just people's life and circumstances change. But uh, I think one of the main, if we look at lower belts, why do lower belts quit jujitsu, particularly white and, and blue belts? And for those who don't know, it's you know, the blue belt blues are rather infamous and the joke is that there's more blue belts in the world than white belts because a lot of people quit at blue belt. But initially, I think why a lot of white belts quit and one of the biggest reasons white belts quit is because they're not treated correctly in the beginning, right? Like um, a a lot of gyms just kind of throw white belts in the deep end And one of the things that you unfortunately see happen is you see white belts get injured very early on when they start training jiu-jitsu, like um, your business partner at Ground Nine Productions, which uh, is is Kieran's media company, start was was training as a white belt. And I'm not saying Zach is his name; he'll be a guest on the show at Mm. one stage. Maybe. You know, I'm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> if he plays his cards right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying Zach was was treated inappropriately, but I'm just using his an, as an example because uh, we were both speaking to him yesterday. Um, Zach wasn't treated inappropriately because I know the gym that Zach was training at. But, you know, he was – how long? He was training for like a month or something, right? Yeah, not, that, yeah. not very long at all. Quite seriously injured his shoulder and um, – and now requires a full shoulder reconstruction. 
If you're brand new into a sport and you have that severe of an injury early on, it's a pretty massive mm. deterrent to to go back and continue to attempt that sport. You know, like absolutely. You know, you would have to be pretty addicted to a month into your sport injure yourself that requires a surgery and then um, and then still continue post surgery. Some people do, you know, but that's a that's one of the biggest reasons beginners or white belts quit okay zach wasn't treated inappropriately but a lot of gyms do they just throw students in the deep end or some fundamental movements they take for granted that beginners don't know how to do them you know like sometimes you'll get a brand new student come in and they'll be able to do cartwheels and shoulder rolls and back rolls no problem but then other people don't you know some people start jujitsu and they haven't rolled around on the ground since they were a kid and then you just throw them in, yeah, just follow along in, in the warm-up. They do a shoulder roll and dislocate their shoulder, you know, or something like that or break their collarbone because they're just trying to follow on from these more advanced students doing these roles that, you know, we make look easy and we forget that if you do them incorrectly, it's very easy to hurt your neck or your shoulder or something like that, right? So I think that's a big reason and definitely a, a reason that shouldn't exist if gym owners – did the right thing that should never happen so what is the right thing to do is it to to take them through the first couple of weeks of you know just basics like have them sort of off to the side or what do you what approach do you personally take or what is the ideal approach in your opinion as a gym owner well uh you know i don't want to go too sort of down the track of how you should uh, yeah. structure your business to to deal with new students i mean i can but it's just kind of a bit off topic. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, some gyms don't let white belts or white belts until X stripe or whatever roll, right? And, you know, that's one way to deal with it. Mm. I'm kind of – I lean both ways, my opinion about that. Um, you know, from – I mean, I didn't – experience that i went into jujitsu kind of being thrown in the deep end and it didn't phase me personally but i've seen it not work for a lot of people so i'm yeah, kind of okay. on the fence but i definitely don't have beginners who have come in with no experience i don't have them roll from day one why not because i'm i'm concerned that my students will injure them People with no experience, they injure themselves, right? So sometimes you'll have someone come in and they might be like quite fit and able, but they're not, they have no idea about jujitsu or grappling. And then you put them into role and, you know, for lack of a better word, they tend to spaz out a little bit. Spazzy white belt. Spazzy white That's belt, right? It's a thing. But the way they hurt themselves is they will try to do a movement, let's say, I don't know, like a bridge or whatever, right? And they might, might be able to do that movement but all of a sudden they're doing a bridge with 80 kilos on top of them and they don't quite understand like where their own body is in space where their opponent's body and weight is and then they like throw their own back out mm. or something like that because they you know jujitsu is so dynamic it's not linear right it's not like squatting or deadlifting where everything is kind of structurally within one plane yeah, yeah right and so they tend to hurt themselves right um so that's the first thing. But in terms of what do I – what would I say are the kind of, you know, the core movements that I want a day one beginner to understand to set them up to hopefully continue with the sport and not injure themselves, right? Because obviously you can't watch them 100% of the time all the time unless they only did privates or something with you. But the things that I look for to make sure that, okay, I can kind of turn around and help another student and I feel okay about this person not hurting themselves. I want them to know the four core movements, which um, for me are shoulder roll, back roll, technical stand-up and hip escape. And definitely I spend a lot of time on the shoulder roll and back roll because, yeah, I've had people come in that you'll spend so long with them trying to teach them how to do it and they still roll over their neck and hurt themselves. Yeah, I've right? seen that. <laughs> yeah, there's some people that just do it first go, right? Everyone's different. So I want them to understand those four 
core movements. I, the the anal- analogy I often give is I say, look, if this were boxing, that's kind of your jab, cross, hook, uppercut, right? I need you to know those four things. And then I definitely make sure they understand tapping and, and what it means. Because again, it's something we take for granted. Not yeah. everyone walks in and they've watched a bunch of MMA or UFC or whatever and understand. Some people don't even know, right, yeah. what that is. Um, you know, so I make sure they understand tapping and I make it very clear to a beginner adult the same way I make very clear to kids, right? Like I think there's a lot of crossover between how you teach kids and how you teach like a a day one adult, right? I make it very clear that they can tap at any time, right? And you know, I would, for example, with the kids, sometimes you see the kids, like, they'll, they'll tap. I'm like, why do you tap? And they go, I'm thirsty. <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, but I would prefer that than the kids not to tap and hurt themselves, right? Yeah. And, I, and I say the same to the adults as well, right? Because you don't know, right? Is this someone who's going to push too far? Like, you don't know, right? Mm. So I make sure they understand that. Yeah, yeah, the, that's clear. The fifth thing that I make that I always want to – the fifth and last thing that I always want to make sure I, as an instructor, understand to best kit out this beginner to hopefully train jiu-jitsu for an extended period of time is I want to know why they're they're looking at jiu-jitsu. And I think that's that's not so much about how you make them not get injured, but that's just more so you can – treat them appropriately so they can get the most out of it. And what I mean by that is if you ask someone like, you know, oh, why, you know, why do you want to train jujitsu? And they say, oh, I want to be an MMA fighter. Okay. That's different to someone who says, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, my, my therapist suggested it might be good for me. You know, like they're two, two completely different people that have walked into the gym for two completely different reasons you know so you could already kind of assume that guy who wants to be an MMA fighter is probably gonna already want to roll super hard and all exclusively this exclusively no gi yeah yeah you know you're like, oh you know I, I train some MMA with my friends all the time you know yeah opposed to someone who's like oh you know I have a lot of like I have a lot of issues with um personal space or whatever and you know my my therapist suggested this and that you know so that's going to help you as an instructor help give them the best tools to to set them on their jiu-jitsu journey. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So you'll be you're able to tailor their experience toward their expect, expectations, their goals and and why they're there and that's going to help with their, you know, not only their learning, they're going to feel like an individual, but it's also you know, client retention for your business. And there's there's a whole lot of things going into that. So I think that ticks off the, the making sure that white belts or new beginners to the sport, we'll just say, are, you know, well-equipped to avoid injury in the first few months. Yeah. But apart from injuries like, you know, like Zach with his shoulder rico and, and everything, why else do you think Another people reason? quit? Yeah, why do people I, quit at white and blue belt? And what's with the blue belt? Uh, I think blue belt blues would be a good place to pick this up. Why do people yeah. quit at blue belt? Well, um, I just before we move on to the blue belt, just just one more, you know, why white belts quit before we get to, to blue belt is I think as well another reason. Let's say imagine they've been – you know, they've been treated really well from the beginning, given all the tools to start their jiu-jitsu journey. They haven't had anyone mistreat them or they haven't had any injuries or anything. Another reason why people quit is, you know, they just suddenly realise it's, it's much harder than they thought it was. Not for everyone. Some people are naturals at, at whatever they choose to do, right? But sometimes you get people who... Maybe they've been doing it for six months and they thought it was going to be this thing that after, it wouldn't take long before they were this like, you know, killer or something. And you see sometimes people just kind of realise that it, it's really, really hard, you know, and in six months they're not kicking everyone's ass and that can kind of demotivate them, you know, because it is a never-ending grind. For me, that's what I like about jiu-jitsu, right? That it's not just kind of, oh, once I've learned A to Z, I'm done, I'm qualified, you know, like it's it's never-ending, right? This 
permanent pursuit of knowledge and evolution of the sport, but some people don't want that. Some people think, you know, they, they, they get into it because they want to just learn how to kick ass and then, hang on, I'm not learning how to kick ass because this thing takes years and years and is really hard and they quit, you know, or some people are a little too driven by the belt, right? And then they go, wait, most people take, what, more than 10 years to get a black belt? Ah, oh, I'm out. I'll go do Taekwondo. Three years, black belt, baby, you know? Yeah, right. So that's another reason I think white belts, like the penny can drop where they realize, oh, this isn't some, you know, it's more of a, you kind of, if you want to achieve that goal, it's a lifelong thing, you know? Okay, not all gyms. Some gyms just hand out the belts willy-nilly. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's forever. And even when you start getting good, there's always someone who will kick your ass. Right. Mm. And if you're not into that, like you see that happen to tough guys a lot, tough guys who come into gyms, you know, they realize that they're not a tough guy anymore and they didn't want that. They just wanted to be in an environment where they're like a, a tough guy. Yeah. What, what's the expression? Like big fish, little ponds yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. hundred percent. But if we, um, it's just their ego, right? You're saying that an ego for, thing, for, for, sure. for some people, like their ego gets too much in the way. And that's when people like, Know, more uh, influential people that talk on jiu-jitsu that aren't necessarily jiu-jitsu athletes, but uh, the likes of Jocko Willink. He talks about, you know, the ego being, you know, your enemy in jiu-jitsu and it's humbling and, and keeping your ego in check yeah. in my, in my yeah. Jocko impression there. so Well, some, yeah, some people have a lot of problems with that. I, I mean, you know, obviously if you're looking at a competitive environment, if you're looking at a... Uh, a mat full of competitors doing competition training, of course there'll always be egos, right? And I get that, like it's a, it's a balancing act. And I've seen, man, I've seen heated, like almost fist fights break out in competition training, um, you know. But you do, you definitely do need to try, keep it in check. If you're someone who's just picking up jujitsu as a hobby, you have no choice. You you have to kind of almost have no ego or you mm. won't survive. Because I've seen people as well get really down on themselves when they're losing on the mats that maybe they're, let's say, for example, they're, they're a brown belt and but they're losing to this like, you know, four-stripe blue belt or something. And I'm like, yeah, but man, like you got you to remember like you're a brown belt who has three kids, runs your own business and trains once, maybe twice a week. And this is a, a blue belt who trains twice a day, every day, and just one worlds at blue belt. And you know, like you, you like you kind of within levels. Yeah, yeah you kind of got to leave your ego, man. Len, it's mm. fine to lose to that guy. Like it's it's different. You can't compare. I those. wouldn't lose to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> to, I'm joking. To the brown belt. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't <laughs> compare those two things, right? So, I mean, yeah, what Jocko's saying, you know. Le- leave your ego aside. If it's a group of competitors, it's slightly different, mm. but you do need to try. A good example is um, uh, when I used to train with Bernardo from from BJJ Fanatics, he, man, he had no ego. Like the guy's four-time black belt world champion. He's the absolute world champion as well. And um, man, in the gym, I would see him sometimes trained so hard with the other like super heavyweight black belts but I also saw him like you know not not lose but like I would see him get swept or get his guard passed or whatever by blue belts and stuff because he's just in the gym and he's training and it's like it's not about winning or losing in the gym it's his teammates and he's you know working on whatever technique or this or that like there's there's no ego I never saw him get you know pissed off because he lost, you know, with little air quotes, he lost to a lower belt, right? Because he didn't, you know, whereas if you see some people with a massive ego, they would, right? Mm. You know, like on the flip side, I've rolled with people who have such an ego problem, they won't even let you, uh, you know, sweep or pass them or submit them if you're flow flow rolling. Like that's quite, you know, it's like an inside joke in jiu-jitsu, right? Like that you go, oh, let's flow roll and it turns into a fully heated yeah. roll. Yeah. Man, I've I've trained with people who have such an ego that even when the coach is like, all right, guys, you're going to do a five-minute flow roll to warm up, 
Like for those who don't know, a flow roll is give and take. You know, I kind of, you know, let you pass and maybe you put me in an armbar, but then you'll let me escape the armbar. You know, man, I've I've rolled with people who have such an ego that in their mind that if you sweep them in a flow roll, like they can't handle it because it's like their ego is so massive. And it's just, uh, it's tiresome. Yeah, that, that you you hit the nail on the head right in the end. Like it is. That's tiresome. why I don't flow roll with you, bro. Yeah, you just man. can't handle it. No, I can't handle it. Absolutely, because <laughs> I win normally. Is that what, you, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, yeah, it is tiresome and it's just boring. It's like get over yourself, I suppose. But okay, so apart from having a big ego at white belt, blue belts. So you've made it to the blues. the blue belt blues. Wonder what they're like. <laughs> Maybe I'll learn one day. <laughs> Joking. Um, so, yeah, so you've made it to blue belt. So you know something, right? You know, expectation is that you know the foundations, you know the basic mm-hmm. movements. You you know, I think that you describe it um, that you need to understand one, at least one move to work with in each of the core positions. And there's four yeah, we core spoke, positions. I mean, that was one of the questions last yeah, episode, right? Yeah. Like, um, Yeah, that was in the Q&A. What, what, should, what should each belt focus on wasn't there like five positions and then there's like a reverse of that so that's 10 techniques right yeah so if i you know spoke about <laughs> i ignored stand up for a second which yeah. is of, often done in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. um <laughs> but yeah the five core positions on the ground of yep. close guard half guard side control mount and back control yep. each position has a top and bottom yes you know, so if you if you knew hypothetically one from each position, that's only ten techniques to have an idea of what's going on. Yeah. But so if you've made it to blue belt, why do so many people quit at blue belt? Man, the blue belt blues. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of factors that then it becomes compounding factors, right? Blue belt's notoriously quite a hard belt to progress off of to purple belt. Some people. Look, I mean, you could find arguments for white belt being the hardest, blue belt being the hardest, clickbait, purple belt's the hardest belt, you know, <laughs> like, but blue belt is notoriously the hardest belt because you're not like a beginner anymore. Like you're not wearing a white belt anymore, but you're still not like, you know, you're not a purple belt yet. Purple belt's a bit closer to being like, okay, I'm branching into advanced territory and blue belt takes so long and that's one of the biggest things that deter people if you look at the ibjjf regulations they have minimum time periods for each belt and the minimum time period for blue and i always say this whenever i reference ibjjf it's if you're if you care about them as a federation right Mm. some people don't but if you follow ibjjf regulations it's a minimum two years mm. at blue belt. So even if you're training twice a day every day, you're still at blue belt for a minimum of two years. But that's a minimum, right? Mm. So what if you're someone who trains a bit more as a hobby every now and again, right? You could be blue belt four or five years. If you if you took a group of one hundred, you know, black belts or a hundred belts post blue and asked them how long they were a blue belt two years would be the minority. The majority of people are blue belts for well over two years. So in your opinion, and for someone that does grading, you know, you've awarded these belts, um, would you would you say that from white to blue is notwithstanding someone that shows up, you know, once a week or once every other week or whatever, if you're showing up fairly regularly, so all even Stephen across the board, that, you know, within about, depending on the individual it's basically a matter of time right so to, to get blue belt to get blue belt it's like i, I, I don't want to take it yeah. away from blue belts but um is it a matter of like showing up consistently for a time period rather than necessarily a distinct skill level obviously they but, need to meet the yeah, standard I mean, but i'm trying look, to i'm I trying d- to tread carefully here but yeah no look I, I i i get what you're saying i don't want to take anything away from blue belts Earning a blue belt is an awesome achievement. and Because um, as we spoke about, not many people make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people quit before that. Yeah. And I'm proud and impressed with anyone who has achieved a blue belt. Um, in saying that, part of what you're saying is true. It's not, it's not in the scheme of jiu-jitsu, 
it's not that hard to achieve. I mean, mm. it's by default, it's the easiest belt to get, right? Um, it should get progressively well, it should harder. Be, yeah, it should right? be the it should easiest, be the easiest belt. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it's, <coughs> it's the factor is just time. I mean, well, I mean, for some people it is, right? Each gym sets their own standards. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, if you it, – it, I mean, it depends on how willing you are to bribe me. And the better the bribe – well, you should have mentioned that <laughs> earlier. Um, <laughs> My name's Kieran. I'm a blue belt. <laughs> yeah, ne- yeah. Next episode. Yeah. yeah. And we, we start having a camera, and I'm yeah. sitting here in a ball and gold chain. <laughs> you know, a sideways baseball cap. You know, with the sticker still on. <laughs> One million dollars. Um, uh, You've derailed yourself. I've derailed myself. Now I'm just thinking about what you're We're talking get about. Me. Time, time. Yeah. So I mean, look. It, there's multiple multiple factors, but um, but then once you get the blue belt, your most gyms f- follow that sort of IBJJF regulations. Mm. Let's you know, so you're there for a minimum of, of two years. It's a long time of having white belts trying to and you know people who are in the jujitsu gym. Most people have some level of competitiveness competitiveness in them, right? Because, you know, when you roll, you're you're competing with your partner to some extent. You know, like, yeah, you can we could talk a lot about mindset and oh, you're actually competing against yourself, blah, 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 blah. You know, but people who continue to train, there's they have some level of like they like to compete right? Mm. Because you're rolling with other people and you want to win against them. Um, So two years is a long time to have white belts constantly trying to show that they're on your level, right? And you constantly have purple belts trying to show that, no, you're not on my level yet. So it's a long time. And I mean, that happens at every belt, right? That happens at purple belt. You have blue belts trying to prove and brown belts trying to hold you down, right? So I mean, it's a long time to be there and your progress in jiu-jitsu, you have times where you pro- feel like you progress quick and feel like you're getting worse and and it's hard because if you don't compete as in go and do competitions all the time, you what's your reference point for your progression? Well, it's only your teammates, right, that you train with on a daily basis and so you're constantly comparing yourself. Oh, I'm comparing myself to my roles against Kieran, my roles against, you know, Zach, whoever, right? But they're progressing as well, right? It's not like they're, they're stagnant in their progress. So you're trying to c- compare your progression against someone else who is also progressing, you know? So mm. you can kind of get really down on yourself and feel like it's just never ending. And I mean, you know, I wasn't, one of those people who sat at Blue Belt for five years. I was at Blue Belt for, I think, two and a half. And even then, it was probably would have only been two years. You had an injury in that. Yeah, I had yep. a knee surgery um, yep. while I was at Blue Belt. Um, and I actually even got my purple belt while I was, I think I'd only just come back to drilling. Right. Like I still was kind of recovering from the surgery. But, but anyway, you know. So I was at Blue Belt for close to the minimum amount of time. And even, you know, I even felt the grind, you know, of like two years and kind of, even though it wasn't about the belt, it kind of, you know, is a little bit about the belt. And um, I think that also leads into to putting stripes on belts, right? Yeah. Pre- previously, Fabio didn't, he didn't used to give stripes at all, right? And for those who don't know, there is actually no difference between like what do the stripes on the belt mean in terms of like the the ranking of like if you were to go compete it doesn't mean anything yep. right like a blue belt with no stripes and a blue belt with four stripes they're still in the blue belt division because correct me if i'm wrong but there is no sanctioned stripe under IBJJF it is not a thing so some no, gyms the don't only give sh- any the only stripes that are is sanctioned that, yeah. are black belts yeah. with yeah, well degrees right yes um yeah. yeah on the on colored belts the the stripes don't mean anything other than your progression so that's the same way that you know IBJJF tries to set some governing rules over minimum time at belts and stuff 
But in terms of when you change belts, that's up to your individual gym and instructor. And it's the same with stripes. So some gyms don't give any stripes. Yeah. Some g- gyms give stripes and they give them really quickly. Some gyms give stripes based on performance, some on time, like, you know. Yeah, some uh, on attendance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but really what is the purpose of stripes on a belt? It's just a... a recognition to the student that they're on the right path because if you if we look at blue belt and you go okay it's a minimum of two years with nothing Mm. until you get a a purple belt right but if throughout that two years you get a stripe every now and again right up to a maximum of four stripes at some level of you know a, a pat on the back to some degree it's no different to when you have a job and it makes a huge difference in a job if every now and again your boss says, man, good work, nice job. Yeah. That makes a massive difference. It's positive right? reinforcement. And for some people that is incredibly important. Dude, it's huge. I've actually right? – so I, I did a video on on getting my first stripe or whatever and and in the in the comments you of that video – You just remind me, i got to take that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, and in the comments, like people – you know, I encourage people to comment, you know, when you got your first stripe, blah, blah, blah. And the – the the difference in time between individuals is insane. Some people yeah. are coming in and saying like, I got a stripe in two weeks. Others are saying I haven't been awarded a stripe in over a year and I train three times a week, you know, and it's just so variable depending on the gym, depending on the yeah. individual because it's not like a sanctioned thing. Yeah. And yeah, my, my advice would be for anyone who's listening and is currently – in that blue belt sort of blue belt blues, right? Um, my advice would be to not put too much weight on stripes because exactly like you said, some gyms give them out super quick, and some, some would just forget. Some, <laughs> some some forget, right? You know, like legitimately, d- depending on the size of their gym, you know, and the amount of students that they have. Um, some gyms only give stripes during grading events, right? Mm. Um, so you got to wait that you know once a year, twice a year that it happens. It's very common that gyms give that first white belt stripe very, very early. Mm. That happens all the time. What if I? Why yeah, do you think makes, that would be? No, it makes perfect sense, right? So you've got someone like let's let's just look at it from a purely objective business point of view. If you got someone coming in the door, they're doing something brand new. Maybe they have a couple techniques un, under their belt. Haha. Maybe they don't. Um, you want to you want to give them positive reinforcement. Like they've tried something new. You want to say, hey, you know, stick it out. There is there is a light at the end of this tunnel. You are progressing. Like, well done. Yeah. I have Would, noticed you. It makes sense. Yeah. But do like, do you think that the majority of gyms that do that are doing it for the benefit of the positive reinforcement for the student? So, so your question is, do you think that giving a, a stripe early is – is more geared toward uh, helping the student rather than helping their business? Yeah. Well, I th- maybe me being cynical, I, I would think it's both. But, I mean, if they have a set time period where like, hey, you know, you join the gym, you have to do X amount of sessions and then you're awarded a stripe or X amount of weeks um, with a minimum of this amount of sessions to be awarded a stripe. I mean, it just helps both. I, I Actually, I think it would depend on the gym really. Yeah. Some I gyms mean, it would be – monetary some gyms it would be the benefit of the student it really would depend on the gym most gyms who give out i mean look it does it doesn't really matter because stripes are rather insignificant well i mean i say that now as a black belt they're significant (laughs) when you're going through the the process but yes in the grand scheme of things like if if everyone was to to be able to hypothetically go into the future where they're all black belts or whatever and look back, the stripes are rather insignificant, right? They're significant while you're going through the process. But because of that, like when they're given out super early, I mean, I know a lot of gym owners, like they do it as a, and even a lot of gym owners do it, not just the first stripe, they do it with the blue belt as as well, as a way to kind of solidify the purchase of that student, yeah. right? Because then, thinking, yeah. then they have this, the student is locked in, oh, I got my belt from so-and-so. And I mean, that bleeds into the whole incorrect culture with, you know, how, how gym owners try to control their students and everything. Um, but you see that a lot as well, right? Like st- instructors giving that first stripe as a way to, you know, kind of 
No, it makes get, sense. Get that, stu- you know, get the, the student hook, line and sinker. And I mean, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter that much. I guess the point I'm saying is the stripes are a good tool so you can feel progression. Because if we go back to what the point we were on, which is a lot of people quitting at blue belt, right? It's a long time with with what can feel like lack of progression, especially if I mean, two years is the minimum. What if you're a four or five year blue belt? It's a long time. We had someone um, join my gym, and they joined as a blue belt. And Sorry, is this your gym yes. here in Australia? Yeah, yep, yeah, okay. yeah. And um. And, jeez, I'm trying to remember how many stripes he had when he joined. He may have already had four stripes. Maybe. I can't recall. He had some stripes on his blue belt. And maybe he had four. And he had already been a blue belt for like three, four years. And he came in and he kind of, not straight away, but he was like, oh, you know, like, how's it work? Like, purple belt, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's semi-taboo to ask your instructor about your belt for anyone who doesn't know like we spoke a little bit about like those weird unspoken rules um you know i'm not one of those people that if someone mentions it i then instantly go an extra year for you right Uh, some 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 instructors literally do that but i remember at the time i was like oh man look i'm just trying to maintain the standards that i was held to so Mm. for me i would go oh look you're maybe like a a new blue belt you know, and Oof. for him, that was like a bit of a, you know, that was a kick in the nuts, right? Because he's yeah. like already a three, four year blue belt. And then he's like just being told, well, you're going to be another minimum two years at this belt. But at least he was prepared for it. And mm. then when he then got that purple belt, which he now has, felt like he earned it, right? And he's really deserving of it. So I derailed myself again. But I mean, I guess I'm just reiterating how tough blue belt can be and how long you can be there. So so I've heard stories and, and you mentioned a good point. You know, you, you always hear from people online, especially, you know, this is bulk of my experience in jiu-jitsu is online. <laughs> um, you hear from people online and they, they say things along the lines of, oh, okay, yep, I've been, I'm a blue belt. I've been training for seven years, but I've changed gyms. That's why I'm not promoted. Now, in your opinion, when you have someone new come into your gym, are they automatically a brand new whatever belt they walk in? In that example, so you have a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for I me, per, I mean, th- I that's how I I would look at them from yeah. day one, but that could change, okay. right? I mean, I I don't want to say it's like I don't trust them. Like if someone comes in with four stripes on their purple belt, right? It's not like I'm not trusting that that's their level, okay? But if if they're in my gym, uh, it's my standards, right? Yeah, I makes always sense. I always give the analogy that, you know, jiu-jitsu gyms are like universities or whatever. So, like, if you came in saying that you're a second-year med student but then you're transferring to my university, well, man, like – I'm not going to assume you don't have that knowledge, but I'm kind of also going to go, well, you know, you have to meet the standards that are here if you want your degree to be from here. Mm. So I hold my standards above, you know, the whatever belt they walk in the door with. And if then they go on to prove that they're well-deserving of those four stripes, like – you know, and that they've been a purple belt for X amount of time. I'm not necessarily going to hold them to that minimum one, the minimum time at purple belts, one and a half years. I'm not necessarily then going to say this person has to be one and a half years as a purple belt under me, you know, because they've proven that they're more than capable of whatever belt. But from day one, I would look at them and go, okay, well, it's their word against my standards and I trust my standards. Right, so I would say, okay, I'm looking at you like a, a purple belt, and yes, yeah, sometimes you'll have people come in, and man, they may be already the level of a black belt, or sometimes they come in and you're like, man, this dude should barely be wearing a blue belt, because every gym is different. I don't know where he got his from, the standards he was held to. I know my standards and the reputation I want to maintain. So you know, if 
if you don't like that, then you know, you're free to train somewhere else, unfortunately. And when you said briefly just before, oh, people leave change gyms because they don't get promoted, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, it could happen because the instructor didn't like that person so they didn't get promoted. But, you know, sometimes it happens because the student was not meeting the standards of that instructor and so the student left. And, I mean, you as the instructor, you then have the choice of to bend the rules and change your standards or to let that student go. Mm. And, I mean, and I get it, that's hard, especially when you're the instructor and the business owner. And most jiu-jitsu gyms are a small business. Yeah. So, like, you know, those few dollars here and there, they make a difference, right? Uh you it's know. the integrity of jiu-jitsu as a sport that you're maintaining. So you're stuck between that. Well, and it's your act, reputation right? in the long run, right? Yeah, that, like, yeah, that as well. Uh, you know, you don't want to – imagine if you – if I handed out just dodgy black belts all over the place and then people – it went on to people to say, oh, I'm a black belt from Adam Childs and they go, oh, so that means you're shit then because he's shit. You know, like – Yeah, of course. You know, it's my reputation as well. So – I personally would, if I had students who weren't willing to do what, you know, do the work to meet those requirements and they chose to leave, I mean, there's plenty of other gyms that give out belts easier than I do. And, I mean, that is another reason why people... Tell your story walking, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm being a douche, but, you know, like, if, if you want to be... I, I went through that, right? I went through... Fabio is notoriously hard to get belts from. I saw so many. Dude, I couldn't tell you how many people I saw come in through Fabio's gym as a four-stripe brown belt already, thinking they were just going to come in and train for, you know, X amount of time and then get their black belt. I remember a guy who came in as like a uh, – I can't remember how many stripes on his brown belt, but he had a brown belt. Man, I think I was a brand new purple belt at the time. Or I might have even been a blue belt. And I got my black belt from Fabio before he did. Wow. Right? Like, and I saw, saw so many brown belts come in thinking they're just going to train for a bit and then have a Fabio Gogel black belt. And after like six months or a year, they realized they're still a brown belt and they would quit. Man, he's not stupid, mm. right? Like he knew what they were doing. And, you know, and, and some of them were willing to go, okay, I, you know, I want a Fabio black belt. Fabio's going to, you know, he wants me to meet his standards. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, they're and trying to cheat the system. By yeah, the sound right. Of it. Yeah, 100%. And, the peop- and look, it's not like Fabio just by default knocked down all these guys. There were some people who came in, you know, like Azaki Bayance is a good example. Yeah, okay. He transferred over to For a For those rights. that don't know, like just a very quick, um, not history, but summary on who he is, look him up on YouTube at, at least absolute weapon of a competitor always yep. featured on my instagram stories <laughs> yeah he's actually someone that i've said to kieran you should watch him you could move like him like i used to train with azaki and you know you guys are about the same size you know like very you impressive could do a lot of what he does but um he came over as a purple belt incredibly high level competitor and quite quickly got his brown and his black belt and there's other people that have come over as brown and quite quickly got their brown belt you know it's not that fabio just would instantly knock down anyone who came over at a higher belt it was like well he had his standards Mm. you know and if people came over and wanted to join the team and met those standards they instantly slotted in Mm. but because he has such high standards Man, a lot, so many brown belts would come over and at, at the time there was like the group of us blue belt competitors, right? And like these brown belts would get demolished by, you know, me and all the other blue belts in the gym. And I'm, you know, and that's fine, right? Doesn't mean that guy is not a legitimate brown belt, okay? Maybe everyone is on their own journey, but, you know, the, the point I'm making is this guy's coming over trying to join the the Fabio Gogel Alliance competition team as a brown belt, thinking he's just going to get his black belt and he's getting demolished by the blue belts. Like Fabio's not going to give you your black belt. And some some sw- took it in their stride, realised that they would be brown belt for the next seven years or something and stuck it out and got their black belt from Fabio. You know, whereas other people were like there for six months, all right, I'm out, and they would quit. 
Yeah. And then and then I would see them. I still have a lot of these people on Instagram. They, you know, not long after are a black belt from so and so. So some people some people are happy to just get the belt regardless of who it's from. You know, it's up to the individual. If you don't like it, you can train somewhere else where it's easier. You know, if if Harvard Law School's too difficult, go to TAFE. And you, <laughs> you can probably get your 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 certificate there. Yeah. Yeah, that that yeah, yeah, it does make sense. So unless you get a black belt from Fabio, you've got your black belt from a TAFE. No, <laughs> I'm not. Doing <laughs> I'm joking. I'm totally, I'm totally joking. No one thinks that you said that. No. <laughs> but I just want to circle back to the point that we sort of, we got to then got a little bit derailed. That's not a theme of this podcast at all. Um, when we were talking about the difference between a, a white belt essentially getting it on time or like, you know, you get your foundation, you show up, you're consistent, you get, you get your blue belt. Whereas in, from my view, the step between blue and purple is purely on like how much do you know, how, what your jujitsu level is. Like the, the element of time, yeah, you mentioned IBJJF uh, recommends, well, in, states a minimum of two years at that belt. Yep. However, that you said that that is the exception, not the rule when it comes to blue to purple. So does that mean in your opinion that from blue to purple is, is definitely more skill-based? So if you run into a purple belt under Adam Childs, they're going to be a purple belt, if that makes sense. I, I would agree with that, yeah. I think the... And that contributes yeah, to the Yeah, but like the transition, the transition from white to blue can be a little bit just more like... Oh man, like you've learned the things you need to know. You're doing the right things. Like let's take it to the next level, mm. you know. Whereas blue to purple is a little bit more like, man, you're starting to, you know, you're now that middle belt. Mm. You're now getting more to advance. So you need to really know what's up, and you need to not necessarily be the toughest dude in the gym because everyone is on their own journey. Some people start training at fifty. You know, and then to think that this, you know, 55-year-old purple belt has to be able to beat, a, you know, four-stripe 18-year-old white belt who's, you know, like two different stories, right? But, I mean, you, it definitely needs to be more. For me, if you want your purple belt, it's definitely – it gets progressively harder, mm -hmm. you know? Like it's funny because the IBJJF regulations on belt time go down – so yes. blue's two years, purple's one and a half, brown is one. One, right. But and there's it, no there's no minimum time at white belt under no, the IBJJF. I believe it used to be one year, but there's not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, you know, for me it gets harder the other way around, right? So mm. yeah, the time the minimum time is shorter by IBJJF, but chances are you're gonna be longer at purple than you were at blue, longer at brown than you were at purple a lot of the time, right? So um, you know, blue to purple for me is yeah definitely a lot more based on on your performance and your knowledge, how well you execute things. Like it's, you know, I I I believe in belt tests. A lot of gyms don't do belt tests. Yeah, right? yeah, I noticed that. And now I'm gonna just jump in here. I I think if I was to guess, that comes from your time at Alliance because. When I do, when I've done research on, you know, the content, the jujitsu content out there, blue belt test is a very popular topic or like yeah, how to get sure. blue belt. Yeah. And 90% of the content out there on blue belt test comes from Alliance Blue Belt Oh, really? Test. Yeah, because... Yeah, that's because funny because I would argue that like Gracie Baja are more... Well, that that's well, not what I've seen because the, the Alliance Blue Belt curriculum is public. So anyone from any gym can download the Alliance Blue Belt curriculum. Right. Like these are the things that you will be tested on and then they base their study off of that public document. I haven't, yeah, right. I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't downloaded it. I don't need it. No, <laughs> no joking. Yeah, um, you ain't doing your test no time soon. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I'll start studying next year when it's relevant. Um, yeah, so that, well, that's interesting. Is that true? A lot of people, yeah, don't agree with belt tests. The reason, yeah. the reason I like belt tests is, is because it's kind of like the instructor in me, right? I want to make sure the student actually understands what's going on. And I think a blue belt test is super important because 
sometimes people can just do movements or do techniques or get away with whatever in a role because they're athletic or whatever it is. And, that, and that's fine. Obviously, it's a physical – excuse me, it's a physical sport. But um, if you're a blue belt and then let's say it's a belt test – you're a white belt, sorry, doing your blue belt test and I say, okay, show me – you know, show me the bridge escape from mount or show me an elbow escape from mount, okay? I don't need you to execute it as perfect as a black belt would execute it. That would be a ridiculous requirement, right? But if you are just then like, oh, like you, you don't know how, right? Or, you know, I say like, okay, show me how to, you know, escape a, a guillotine or show me particularly the self-defense movements, right? And I, I think I've spoken before why they're super important because for it's something relatable for beginners, right? It doesn't make sense if you get a one the, a white belt on their first day and say, oh, hold the sleeve, this, that. And why would I hold someone's sleeve? But if you say they try to punch you. Self-defense is a great way to teach movements and control uh, in jiu-jitsu. So if you're then doing a white belt, doing a blue belt test and you don't know any of that stuff – right? You don't know how to do a shoulder roll correctly to make sure you don't hurt your neck or make sure your tailbone doesn't hit the ground and all this stuff. And then I give you your blue belt. And then what happens when, you know, I've got my back turned and I'm helping someone else. And then a white belt looks to you because you're wearing a blue belt and says, oh, how do I do this? And you, you don't know, mm. right? I mean, the bigger problem is that you tell them something wrong and then they hurt themselves but, you know, second to that is you're going to look stupid, right? And, like, that makes me look stupid. Okay, so that's why I like belt tests, right? It's not this trivial thing to make money from. I mean, I'm for sure, I'm, I assume some gyms do, right? Some I'm charge for a belt test. Or yeah, I mean, and some, for example, well, some gyms, what they'll do, I mean, every gym's different, bro. Some gyms will do belt tests and they won't charge you anything. Some gyms will give you a belt and then, you know, afterwards charge you for the cost of the belt, you know, a, a lot of these things, um, which is fine because you forget it's... It's a business. A, it's a business. A lot, a lot of gyms are small businesses and, you know, if you're giving out, uh, you know, if you're giving out 100 belts a year at 20 bucks a pop, you know, <laughs> adds up, right? For Two grand. Yeah. For small businesses, that can be a... a make a huge difference between whether you get to, you know, have a holiday or whatever or pay rent, right? Um, but, yeah, anyway, for me it's not about this, like, revenue generating thing, right? I charge for belt tests, but I lose money when I ch – like, what I charge for a belt test – I probably like I don't want to go into how I run my business, but I probably lose like I don't know maybe a hundred bucks because it, the belt test has got to cover my time, right? It's got to cover the cost of the belt. It covers the cost of the certificate that I, you know, go and print and make for the student, it's right? Not, it's not about the cost, right? It's not about the cost. I'm just trying to recoup some of the costs. Mm. But even then, like I, you know, I I lose money mm. on belt tests. Okay, I'm just trying to make it so I don't lose as much. But anyway, some people don't understand that and they think it's just this money scheme. No, it's not, right? Like, I guess hypothetically. In other sports, it could be. Like, I know man, that in other like sports. karate, I don't want to shit on karate, but I'm going to. In karate, <laughs> like, their belt test, their belt, their grading system, every time you get graded, you got to pay a large sum. It's not like, you know. No, it's not a small. It's usually it's, quite a huge sum. Yeah, it's hundreds of dollars or, yeah. or whatever. Um, it, well, it was at least when I was looking into it like years and years ago when I was a kid. And then like each belt you pay for, like you pay out the nose for everything. The whole yeah. thing is is geared toward making money. And that's why, as you mentioned, you can you can go from white belt to black belt in less so than three quick. years. Yeah. yeah, some gyms, exactly, they do that. They'll charge a huge amount of money. Right. And all of a sudden you have someone run around saying they're karate black belt but can't hold their own in like a schoolyard scrap yeah. because they know nothing. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that. Um, but anyway, if if we ignore the the financial side of things, that's why I do belt tests. Like I want to know that my students like understand what they're doing. And I guess, yeah, that's part of the me going down the instructor path, right? I want to – you know, if it's a competitor, it's slightly different. If someone comes to me and they're like, man, I want to be a world champion, mm. 
you know, you kind of base their belts off their performance, mm. right? I'm not saying they have to be the best white belt in the world before they get a blue belt and they need to be a blue belt world champion before they get a purple. But, I mean, if if you're a blue belt, right, like, and you want to be a world champion, well, you're not going to be getting your purple if you still lose to, you know, white belts who have been training for two months, right? <laughs> like, I mean, what's going to happen then when you're wearing a purple belt, right? Like, it's different. But... Otherwise, I want to make sure Different my students sandbagging as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a thing. Yeah, but I want to make sure my students understand what they're doing. I don't want my blue belts, purple belts, brown belts walking around, and then when a lower belt asks them a question, they have no idea. Okay, they don't have to be perfect. They're not an instructor. Someone I've given a blue belt to is not an instructor, you know, but. You know, I want them to be able to answer questions from other uh, and help other students, you know. And when someone asks them or, you know, God forbid they get in a street fight, I want to know that they know these things. Yeah, know? that makes sense. Yeah, the, the belt carries weight. Yeah. Carries skill, expectation. But I do just want to um, – I know we're getting towards the end of the episode, but um, I think another important – factor as to why people quit at blue belt is that for some people blue belt is their black belt some people just wanted to achieve that goal right like not everyone wants the you know a black belt or not everyone wants to do it forever some people get into you know like uh you know how some people are uh what are they called when someone just constantly studies and um Oh my god, I'm blanking on the name. Like people who just acquire degrees and certificates, yeah, like yeah. they're just like a a perpetual student forever. Yeah, you know, because they like it, they enjoy it. So some people never have the the end game goal. Or sorry, they do have an end game goal. Their their goal was just to get you know a, a blue belt, and that that happens in lots of sports. So some people might you know take up rock climbing with the goal of climbing an eight A, for example, right? Which is the you know. Uh, how you grade the difficulty in rock climbing walls, right? And they might achieve that that 8A climb and then move on to a different goal in their life, you know? So if some people quit at Blue Belt because it was just their personal goal, right? And, and that's fine, right? Not everyone needs to start the sport and do it forever, right? Mm. Maybe you just wanted to achieve your Blue Belt or your Purple Belt, whatever it was, and then move on. And you see that at Black Belt as well. I mean, I think that's a bit – if I had that vibe for my student, I wouldn't want to give them a black belt and then have them quit because I think black belt's something a bit more, right? Like it doesn't mean you have to be someone who's choosing jiu-jitsu as a career, but for me, a black belt, jiu-jitsu has to be a very important part of your life, right, for you to earn that belt. However, you still see it. You see people get a black belt and they achieve the goal and then they kind of, they move on. So you see that at blue belt too. That was that individual's goal. Oh, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to catch, catch a, I just wanted to learn to surf till I could stand up, you know. Oh, I can now stand up and catch a wave and the person moves on, right? They never really were invested in the sport as part of their life. They never really knew how to surf. And they never really knew how to surf. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, it you does. See, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like they 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 join the sport with a goal of being a jiu-jitsu blue belt, because infamously, from the outside looking in, jiu-jitsu belts are hard to acquire. Like it's compared it's, to other martial arts. Yeah, it's pretty well known. Like significantly more difficult. If you do any sort of research, I mean, I mean, I suppose if you walk in the gym and think it's karate, whatever. But if you do any sort of research, you know, maybe you're a fan of MMA. You've watched the UFC. You've looked into jiu-jitsu before you step your foot in your first gym or what have you, you, you. There is an understanding that a black belt takes a long time and a black belt is very, very skilled in that yeah. in that in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it makes sense that someone would come in with the goal of being a blue belt because, again, as we mentioned, it's still very good achievement. It takes, you know, on average over a year to get. Yeah. So, And it's funny, like if you're – I remember when I was – when I was going through it, like I, I, I didn't train for long before I decided that I wanted my career to be jujitsu. 
So I was always in it for the long haul, but even going through it, I still had like those, the, the shorter term goals. I remember I was like, oh, I just want my blue belt because then I'm, you know, I'll, I'll just feel better when I'm a blue belt because yeah. then I'm not a white belt anymore. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. I can 100% <laughs> man sitting here is like, uh, you know, 10, 11 month white belt. I can 100% relate to that. Yeah. Well, I got some bad news for you. Because, <laughs> you fucker. Because then when I got my blue belt, I was like, oh, cool. I just want to get my purple belt. Because then, then when yeah, I get my yeah, purple I'm belt, club. I'm no longer that. Oh, I mean, blue belt's not that hard to get. You're just one after white. If I get my purple, I'm then, you know, another degree of separation away from white. Mm. I just want my purple, then I can relax. And then I got my purple belt and I was like, I, I just want to get my brown. Because then when I get my brown, people look at you like, man, that dude's almost a black belt. You may as well be a black yeah. belt, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously you get your brown belt and then you're like, well, just one more belt, you yeah, know, I on. want my black belt. <laughs> come on, fuck you know? come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I remember I- It's yeah. perpetual. The goal, the goal post is always moving. Always, yeah. And like <laughs> when uh, before Fabio used to give stripes, right? When I was a blue belt, I was. Uh, I've said this before. I hate saying it because I sound like a wank. But at the, the time, I was a blue belt. Like I was a really good blue belt. Everyone in the gym was like, you know. And you got my mum said I was good. Yeah, my mum <laughs> always. My friend yeah. said I was good. <laughs> guy, one guy on Instagram said it was cool. <laughs> um, like it was the time that I was in Brazil was when was before Nogi exploded and before, you know, flow grappling dictated who was relevant in jujitsu. Um, and it was all IBJJF Alliance was the, the one worlds every year. And even now they won the last worlds, right? Like, but um, anyway, was before Atos, you know, managed to win worlds twice. It was, we, we dominated everything. And even at that time, everyone was like, you know, all my fellow training partners, colored belts, black belts are like, dude, you're the best blue belt in the world. Like, man, go, to, let's go to worlds. Like, there's no way you lose, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was really talented blue belt. And every time gradings came along, which um, they don't really do anymore. Fabio doesn't do gradings um, the way he grades his students, which is also how I grade my students. I don't really do gradings. I grade everyone individually. Um, but anyway, story for another time. Uh, and ev every grading, Fabio, uh, people would be like, man, for sure you're getting your purple belt. There's no way you're not getting your purple belt. And then I wouldn't get it, right? And Fabio did gradings like only two a year. And then people would be like, don't worry, man, next one. Like there's no way you don't get it next one now. You didn't get it this time, so you'll have to get it next time. Next grading, like, man, there's no way you don't get your purple belt. And then I wouldn't get it. And people are like, man, there's no way you don't get it next These time. These dudes right? are G and you up hard. Yeah. They, they, they had to inside information. Yeah, yeah, so. turns, it turns out I was terrible. They were just like <laughs> trying to pump me up. Yeah. And then um, and then a grading came along where Fabio gave the big speech, similar to what I just said about stripes, that mm. he was going to start implementing stripes on people's belts. You know, it's a good way to, you know, make keep people in check and motivate them. And, you know, so people know they're on the right path and everything. Everyone's like, man, you're getting your purple belt. And Fabio called me up and he just did, in the one go just put four stripes on my blue belt oh. and like just sat me back down. Motherfucker. And then, and then everyone was like, well, at least now you know next time it will be the purple belt. Like you got nowhere else to go. Yeah. I remember I was like, oh, it's just. Man, that's like, I mean, that's was, like two years of just people teasing you. A little bit. But anyway, like. And then, you know, at least then when I got the purple belt, I, I knew I deserved it. Mm. Actually, no, I even doubted it a little bit because like I said before, uh, I was yeah. just coming back from an injury. Yeah. So I was a little bit like, oh, but, you know, anyway, mm. stripes. Stripes. Don't quit. <laughs> Don't quit at blue belt. But, That's the, um, the key takeaway. I think we might uh, leave it around there. But just to, to summarize some of what we went over, I guess the core things would be, you know, you need to be set up the student from mm. the beginning. You want to give them the best chance to continue the sport from day one, right? You want to you want to make sure that from day one you're checking all these boxes of how you should uh, interact with a brand new student so they're on the correct path, right? But after that, why do people quit? Injury, right, as a result of um, – as a result or maybe not as a result, injuries can just happen anyway – Injuries is a big reason why people quit. The realization of how hard it is, right? Um, That's the ego getting in your way. That's ego sort of getting in your way. The time at Blue Belt, 
right? And for some people, things like blue belt was was their goal from the beginning. And once they get that, they kind of you know they move on. That's what I'm doing. That's, that's <laughs> what you're. Yeah, that's why I'm never giving it to you, right? You know, I mean, white belt. and it, it goes the, the other way too. I have I have two infamous students named Dan and Jake, right? <laughs> Uh, that I specifically gave them their blue belts to try get rid of them. I was mm. hoping they would leave, and they just won't leave. If you're listening, Dan and Jake, if it's not clear, it would never will be. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'll just for those who don't know, Dan and Jake, two of my favorite students with me from you they have favorites. What the hell, man? <laughs> you, can't, you can't sit across the table and say that to yeah. my face. <laughs> they um they were with me from the beginning. They joined. I think completely brand new to jujitsu, like one week after I opened. And um, for, you know, for a lot of the classes, it was just us three, you know? So they were some of my, my first students and they're still training with me now. So super, super happy to have them with me. Shout out to Dan and Jake. Shout out to Dan and Jake. The world's the married longest couple. blue belt. Okay. <laughs> world's longest blue belts, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Wicka, wicka, what? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta stop doing that. (laughs) Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Laters.